most likely be very familiar with the name that I'm going to introduce you to uh, today. I chose this person to illustrate one of our names of God this morning for two reasons. Well, three. Most of you, if you reach in your pocket or your purse right now and pulled out some money, his picture is likely to be on one of the bills that you pull out. George Washington. There you go. That's him. I chose him also because it's Father's Day. And even though George Washington never had any children of his own, you may or may not have known that, he is known as the father of our country. He was also known as a great general. As a matter of fact, uh, when I was reading some things about George Washington, I read that there will never be a military position that outranks George Washington. I didn't know that. I thought that was impressive. Even though he is credited for losing more battles than he won. So there's hope. You don't have to be like successful. Uh, no, just, never mind. <laughs> the point is, he did some really good things. He was willing to make great sacrifices for our young nation. And his soldiers respected those sacrifices. Even when he, when he left Mount Vernon the first time uh, to go into battle, he instructed the keeper of his property, the manager of all of his things, he said, continue benevolence to those in need as long as it does not encourage idleness. So even when he wasn't there, he expected his property and, and his belongings to be run with a, with a form of benevolence to others. Eric Metaxas in his book, Seven Men, said this about Washington's leadership. He said, it says much about Washington's character that following Cornwallis' surrender, Washington told his men to treat their defeated foes with respect and to refrain from shouting taunts and insults at them. That was kind of the thing to do when, when someone surrendered is, is as you carried them back in surrender mode, you've beaten them soundly, and then you would tell them things like, Ah, your gunpowder's all wet! You can't shoot a musket if you had to! And things like that. He said, don't do that. He said, it is sufficient for us that we witness their humiliation. He told his troops that posterity will huzzah for us. That's well said, George. There was also something to be said about Washington's heroic, humble, fearless, and fair examples that inspired fierce devotion in the men under his leadership. In fact, the respect, admiration, and love that his men had for him increased during the years of war. Uh, there's a biographer named David Adler, and he wrote, His men followed him barefoot through the snow at Trenton. They wintered with him at Valley Forge without proper clothes, proper food, firewood, Surely they fought not only for independence, but they also fought for Washington. Washington stoically dealt with endless difficulties while he was uh, a general. He had lack of supplies, constant troop shortages, the betrayal of a trusted colleague, General Benedict Arnold. There were also several attempts of assassination on his life and many efforts to capture him. But somehow... Washington was able to shape up a ragtag collection of underfed, underpaid, and underarmed men into the enviable fighting force that, with little help from the French, vanquished one of the most powerful militaries that some would say ever existed. Washington fought not only for his country, he fought for his men, and he fought beside his men. Another biographer wrote that in the final battle of the war in Yorktown, Virginia, Washington actually dismounted his horse stood in the line of fire and watched what was going on. No one disputes that he was a tremendously brave man. I would dispute that he may not have been the smartest guy to do something like that, but many times throughout his military career, he fearlessly put himself in harm's way. 
despite the fact that it is said he was so tall, he made a visible and temptingly good target when he was on his horse. By the way, on three different occasions, he had a horse shot out from underneath him in battle. It's also said that his overcoat had numerous musket holes in it, but he was always left unscathed. Why would I go on and on about George Washington? Yes, he's the father of our country, but what does he have to do with the names of God that we're going to look at today? Well, one of the names for God that we're going to look at is Jehovah Sabaoth. It means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. Eric Metaxas also writes that George Washington's nephew, George Lewis, uh, was inadvertently witnessed to his uncle's faith. Lewis shared with a Washington biographer named Jared Sarks that he had accidentally witnessed um, George Washington's private devotions in his library, both morning and evening. On these occasions, as he would kind of just barge in, he would see his uncle on his knees with his Bible open before him. And there were others that reported during battles even, on entering Washington's tent with an urgent message during the war, they would find him on his knees engaged in a devotion and prayer. He was eventually elected president, and he set up some of the policies that are in place today for our presidency. One of them is the two four-year term limit. That was something that he initiated. Now, I stated earlier, he never had children of his own, but his wife had two children from a previous marriage, and he loved those kids, and he raised them as his own. He was no doubt a strong military leader, but he was also humble, and he was submissive, not only to those that he served with, but to Jehovah Sabaoth. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for what we're learning about you. You are indeed the Lord of hosts. You are indeed the Lord of armies. And and as we look at what that means for us, I'm, I'm excited to share that today. Lord, I pray that we'll hear your word and we'll leave here differently because of it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You see, Washington was a lifelong churchgoer who served the Lord of hosts long before he led an army for a foundling nation. He recognized the power of the Lord of hosts, just like David recognized the power of the Lord of hosts in Psalms 24. Look at what David writes about God. Verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Salah, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is this King of glory. Salah. I think it was Washington's recognition of who God is that helped him keep things in perspective. You may not know this, but after the war, the people expected him to just name himself King of America. But he humbly refused 
It's also said that when King George of England heard that Washington refused to make himself king, he even commented on his humility and his foundation of being a good man. You see, he also knew that the Lord was Lord of hosts. And he knew that Jesus was our commander. And, and I think George Washington knew that Jesus commanded us to be humble. Jesus is also called the captain of our salvation in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Listen to this. It says, For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? Have you made him for a little while lower than the angels? You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom all things and through whom are all things in, the, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. You see, Jesus is our commander. And let me share a glimpse of what Christ's second coming will be like according to scriptures. Now, spoiler alert, it will be bright and loud and glorious. This event cannot be hidden. It cannot be mistaken for something other than what it is. Every human on planet earth will see Jesus. He will come back personally and literally. Revelation 1-7 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. There will not be a person on earth who is unaware of Jesus when he returns. Jesus himself describes the manner of his coming in Matthew twenty four twenty seven. The return of Christ will be like the brightness of lightning illuminating the entire sky from the east to the west. The verse actually says, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verses 30 and 31 of the same chapter describe Jesus coming with power and great glory, with a sound of a great trumpet that awakens the righteous dead who are then gathered from the ends of the earth. Verse 30 says this, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Verse 31 says, And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Our commander is going to return. And he's going to gather us up. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, has gone before us. And Jesus, our commander, will be returning to gather us up. Amen? Amen. Kyle Eidelman tells a story in his book, Grace is Greater. And it's a story about an email that he received. Uh, someone wrote an email that was less than encouraging. 
Actually, it was downright degrading of Kyle. And it was a kind of a no-holds-barred attack on, on Kyle Eidelman. Now, he didn't really take much offense to the email because he didn't know the person personally. It wasn't like a good friend sent him this, this horrible email. It was someone he had never met, someone he didn't know. And he thought, you know, my dad's in ministry and he's a pastor. And he's probably gotten emails like this before. I'm going to forward this to him and we'll, we'll get a laugh out of it together. Well, he forwards his dad the email. He says a few hours later, he gets an email from his father that was the response his father sent to the man who wrote the email. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he said that wasn't what he was expecting. <laughs> it surprised him somewhat. He read the response and he says, I didn't send the email to my father to rescue me or because I couldn't fight my own battle or I couldn't defend myself. I, I sent it just because I thought, surely he's gotten these and, you know, I don't know this person. He says, but my dad came to my defense. He also writes that later that day, he received another email from his dad. And his dad apologized to him for jumping into his business. He, I, he says, I realize you're a grown man. I'm sorry uh, for, for getting involved. I, and he acknowledged that, you know, Kyle was capable of defending himself or fighting his own battles. But he also said something like this. He said, as I read that email about my son, the father in me got the best of me. And I could not not respond to this man. You know, it's good to know that your father will always be at your side. It's also good to know that our father in heaven, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, along with Jesus, our commander, they're not only at our side, but they have gone before us. And just like Kyle's father, no matter what battle you're going through, no matter what you're fighting, the Lord of armies has gone before you. And he's going to rush in to defend you. He's going to rush in to protect you. No matter what temptation you may be facing, Jesus, our commander, has been there. No matter what speed bump your marriage has come upon, no matter what medical diagnosis you may have received, no matter what bad news has been delivered to you this week, not only is our commander here for us, but he has shown us how to resist temptation by using the word of God. You see, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan tempted him and Jesus responded with the word of God. He was able to resist the temptation because Jesus knew that Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, was before him. Scripture also says that after Jesus was tempted and overcame the temptation that the angels tended to him. See, whether you're a father or a mother or a son or a daughter, whatever you're experiencing, God, our Father, is ready to rush in to protect you, to comfort you, to restore you. He is the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of armies. And His army is greater than any strength we think we may have. Men, it's not easy leading and serving your family. Young men, as you get families, you'll understand this. But my question for you today is, will you submit to Jesus, our commander? Will you lead your family as you follow him? Or will you allow Jehovah, or 
will you allow Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, will you allow him to fight your battles? Will you accept his strength and your weakness? Will you accept his encouragement for the battle that you're facing? There are many things in our world that call for our attention. And even good things can take our attention away from our commander. Even good things can take our attention away from our Lord. Men, make no mistake, we are fighting a battle every day. And nothing would please Satan more than to help you fail your wife or your kids or your family or your God. He's going to throw everything at you that he can to distract you from being the spiritual head of your family. He wants you to do everything but be the spiritual head of your family. He wants you to hang out with your buddies. He wants you to work all that overtime. Remember this though, overtime at work means undertime at home. Focusing on your hobby, focusing on your man cave, focusing on your buddies instead of your family is pleasing to Satan, but it breaks the heart of God. The truth is the battle is raging on around us. We need the Lord of armies. We need the Lord of hosts. We need to be men of courage. We need to be men who are willing to submit to our commander, Jesus Christ, and not to our own ideals or our own thoughts. After all, he's already won the war. There are many battles to be fought. Our commander has gone before us. He gave himself as a final sacrifice for our sins. And he's preparing a place for us for eternity. Not for a moment, but for eternity. The question is, are you willing to follow him? Or do you still think you can do this on your own? When you look through scripture at people, men and women who tried to do things on their own. We see how those things worked out. Jonah thought he had a better idea than God and he ended up fish food for a few days. I was teaching in Sunday school. The um, people of Nimrod felt that they knew better than God and were building a great tower, Tower of Babel. That didn't go so well. See, we can... We can follow ourselves or we can follow our commander. We can follow Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. George Washington knew that he could not lead our nation into independence on his own. He selected certain people. But I tell you, the father of our country also depended on Jehovah Sabaoth and his understanding of God's word to lead. It was shown in his actions It was shown in the way that he treated General Cornwallis and his men when they surrendered. It was shown in the way he encouraged the manager of his estate to be benevolent to those in need. George Washington may have been the first commander-in-chief of our country, but he also submitted to Jesus, our commander. So when you think about what's in a name, when you take out your dollar to buy some coffee this week and you look at George Washington and you think about some of these things, you may think, plantation owner, general, president, and you may get a sense of encouragement and patriotism. But when you look at the name Jehovah, Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, when you look at the name of Jesus in light of being our commander, you should get a sense of power and protection and take comfort knowing that our commander has gone before us. There's no battle 
we will fight. There's no temptation we will face. There's no issue in our life that we have to cower away from. Because our Lord, our God, Jehovah Sabaoth, and our commander, Jesus Christ, go before us. If we follow their lead, if we read His Word, if we apply it to our own lives, we will receive the ultimate victory. Are you ready to begin living your life victoriously for Jesus? I don't know what that looks like for some of you. Maybe for you to live victoriously with Jehovah Sabaoth, it's time for you to submit to our Lord and Savior and Commander Jesus in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, Christian, you've been fighting a battle on your own for far too long. Today is the day that you ask the Lord of Armies to fight with you, to fight for you. If you're not sure how to do that, your elders are here. They'd love to pray with you about this. They'd love to be accountable with you through this season. But whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing with us our response song and respond accordingly? I got to tell you, I say this a lot, but I mean it every time I say it, that it's been great to be here with you all, to hear answered prayer, to have opportunity to continue to lift one another up in prayer. And uh, again, I think some of you remember your first house. Some of you remember some of these things that our young couples are going through. And so uh, it'd be great to be an encouragement to them and and share some of those stories. Some of you have been married so long you don't remember any of that stuff. But, you know, that's not a bad thing either. (laughs) But whatever it is that's going on in your world, just know that Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, and our commander Jesus is going before you. And when we trust in them, when we put our faith in them instead of in ourselves, you, you will not be disappointed. Will you stand and sing this last song with us, please? <laughs>